0: How are we doing? <laughs> are you here? All right, good, good. So you look, you look great in your jerseys. This is a, uh, this is preseason time, right? For most of us, right? I know we had week zero yesterday, uh, but most of our teams don't play until uh, this coming week. Maybe, maybe a few of your favorites played yesterday, but uh, most of our teams don't play until. Uh, This coming weekend, we we get a whole weekend of football coming up Starting on Thursday night And we got Friday and Saturday And then uh, Tech fans, you you finish us off on Monday uh, You know I will be cheering for you It's not going to do you any good But uh, I'm going to be cheering for you The good thing is, I saw that Diego, the SEAL at Georgia Aquarium Picked Tech to win Um, So you got that going for you, right? You got that, Diego knows his stuff Uh, We've been waiting for a while uh, for uh, preseason to end and actual season to start. Uh, Preseason's a fun time. I I think it was uh, the great Steve Spurrier. You all know and love him. Steve Spurrier, who called this season talking season, right? This is talking season. This is when everybody makes fun of their rivals. They, they talk about all the games they're going to win, and we're going to beat you. No, you're not going to beat us. We're going to be better this year. We're, we're really good. This, this is talking season. Everybody's getting kind of warmed up, kind of staking their ground, staking their place as to uh, where they're going to be this season. News is coming out of all the camps, and the news typically is the same from all of the camps, Right? We're looking good this year. We're practicing hard. We got a high motor, lots of intensity. Uh we got a good feeling about this. Things are really different this year. Like all the t-shirt slogans, that's what preseason is for. All the t-shirt slogans come out in preseason when you're thinking about talking about how good your team is going to be. We get uh we get lots of news in the preseason like right there they're uh, rolling out new things, new uniform combinations, right? We're getting those, we're getting those texts and uh, those tweets and those Instagram posts. We got a new uniform combination. The 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 stripe on the helmet's going to be just a little bit wider this year. That's going to make all the difference, right It's going to look so sharp when we do that. Uh, uh, new video game boards, right? Just some stadiums are installing new boards. They did some renovation. Over the uh, off seasons. So we're learning all about that. New concessions at the concession stand. All of that kind of stuff comes out during preseason. Of course, you got the band getting ready. You got the cheerleaders getting ready. You got the mascots getting ready. Like, so much good stuff in the preseason. We even have, maybe the most hysterical thing of all, we have preseason awards, right? Haven't played it down this year haven't faced an opponent and we have preseason all americans right that's my kind of award you don't do anything you just get it you don't have to beat anybody you don't have to be good yet preseason all americans first team second team third team preseason sec preseason acc preseason whatever your favorite conference is they they got an award for that they got watch lists this time of year, right? Heisman watch list. Keep your eye on this person. Butkus Award watch. Like every position known to man, the punters and the kickers, they have watch lists for every position in preseason. Because this could be the breakout year. Right? This could be the breakout. Everybody's making predictions in the preseason. You notice that. Vegas is you know, putting out their odds, how many wins this team's going to have, how many losses. This team's going to have coaches' polls coming out, uh, predictions, who's going to win the national championship, who's going to be in the playoffs, who's going to win this division, who's going to win that conference, who's going to be rookie of the year, which coach is going to get fired before the end of the year, which AD is on the hot seat, like, all of these predictions, they just roll out in the preseason, one right after another. But, but all of that preseason stuff, it's supposed to lead somewhere, right? There's this mo- there's an actual moment where the preseason is done and toe meets leather, right? That's what we call it toe meets leather. Game starts and it's real, like it's on at that point, everything counts like preseason doesn't count. The predictions don't count. Even the preseason awards, ultimately, they don't count. Like you don't get to the end of the season and go four and eight and somebody says, oh but preseason they were predicted eight and four. We're gonna call it six and six. all right how about that? We're going no, preseason doesn't mean anything once you start and I know preseason's important. Uh, practice is important. Getting ready is important. Like hyping up. It's important for the fans, right? The fans are getting ready in preseason. You're you're uh, maybe deciding this year we do season tickets, maybe we get a few more games this year. How do we how do we upgrade our tailgate this year? Right? Bigger flat screen, we're gonna have barbecue this year, like all that stuff. Where are we gonna park? Like you're getting ready, you, you buy a new jersey, you get a new t-shirt, you get a new hat. Preseason is about getting ready, but it's not the real thing, right? Wouldn't it be weird? It would be. It would be weird if we had six weeks of preseason, and then nothing after that. We just kind of got. We made our predictions. We gave out our awards. We we got all fired up, and then nothing. And then a year later, we just, we fired it up again. Preseason, woo, we're going to beat you. No, we're going to beat you. You're going to be terrible. And then we never played a game. That would be, that would be strange, right? Preseason is supposed to lead to something. Something is supposed to happen after the lead up. In our spiritual lives, I think there is a preseason, an an important preseason. An important preseason that is supposed to lead to something starting, something happening, something that's real. Now here's how I'm using preseason. as a spiritual metaphor this morning. By, by spiritual preseason, I mean all of the things that that led up or leads up to us making a commitment of our lives to Christ for real. All of those things that happened in your life, the people who prayed for you, the people who shared their faith with you, the people who invited you to church or said, why don't you go to youth camp with me? The people who influenced you, all of that was in a sense, it was it was a spiritual preseason, it was important, but it was intended to lead to a moment of decision that I'm gonna start following Jesus now we're gonna kick this thing off like i'm gonna i'm gonna stop thinking about it. i'm gonna i'm gonna stop preparing for it i'm actually gonna follow jesus now and and i get it not everybody has maybe that i remember the day and i remember the place and i, I prayed this prayer and it was this thing some of us have that i understand that that's not everybody's story but but everybody who is a follower of Jesus has a story of this was my life before I committed to Christ and now this I'm on this side where I'm now a follower of Christ and and maybe you can't narrow down exactly when that moment happened. I think of C.S. Lewis in his in his autobiography Lewis uh spent years as an atheist and then he began this process of of moving toward Christ and had friends who were influencing him and and sharing their faith with him and they were praying for him and uh, Lewis's uh, testimony we would call it his the way he describes when he came to faith is he said I, I don't know exactly when it happened I, I just know one day I went for a drive and when I left I didn't believe in Jesus and when I came back I did like I don't know when in that drive but But I left an unbeliever and I came back a believer and that's the only thing I know to tell you. Some of us, we have kind of a story like that. I don't know that I can narrow it down to this moment, but definitely there was a time in my life I didn't know of Jesus, I didn't follow Jesus, I wasn't committed to Jesus. And then this season happened in my life where I I began to follow him. God uses all sorts of things in our preseason, doesn't he? Um... Some of you are like me. God used your family. You grew up in a Christian family. I did too. I, I, I grew up in a family that went to church. Some of you, that's your story. Not all of you. Some of you, that's your story. And so your parents were were part of that spiritual preseason. They were, they were praying for you. They were, they were passing their faith on to you. They brought you to church. They involved you in kids' ministry or children's church or youth ministry. And they, and they were this... Influence towards Christ, and that's part of your your priest. Some of you had a friend who shared their faith with you, and you know, some of you have people, maybe a relative, maybe a friend, who just prayed and prayed and sought the Lord for your soul, for your heart, that you would one day come to know Jesus. And 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 eventually, you came to know Jesus. For some of you, maybe it was a camp. You went to youth camp, and you you heard the gospel, and you responded to that. For others, maybe it was a set of circumstances in your life. Like you went through a certain season, and it, maybe it was a good season, uh, maybe it was a difficult season. Maybe there was some loss or tragedy in your life. And, and for the first time, maybe you really began to think about eternity, uh, you began to, uh, you began to think to yourself, "Surely this isn't all there is." There's got to be a bigger plan. There's got to be be something beyond just this physical world. What what happens when we die? Those sort of soul existential questions, they begin to bubble up in your your mind. Where did I come from? What does this mean? And and God used that over time to to bring you to a place of faith. God uses all sorts of things in our preseason to bring us, to faith, but but here's what I notice about some people. I, I, I notice that some people begin that process of preseason. They they become interested in attending a church, or uh, they 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 come to worship and and. They feel something inside. They know there's something here. Something is true. Something real is happening here. They begin to ask questions. Maybe they start going to Wednesday night youth, or, or, or as a kid they start going to kids ministry, and they begin to hear the stories of Jesus, and something stirs in their heart, and they they feel like this this this, this, this has to be true. Like this 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 seems like I, I should be a part of this. But what happens sometimes is this spiritual preseason doesn't lead to the next step for some people. They they get interested. Their heart gets stirred. They think, maybe I should. I I wonder if I'm supposed to do this. I I think maybe I should commit my life. And, And then they just kind of fade away like life changes, or, or they come up with some excuse or some reason why this isn't the right time for me, or, or this is what, not what I need to do, or, or maybe the excitement just kind of runs out after a while. I, I'm burdened because I think there are a lot of people that have an interest in spiritual things. They, they have an interest in, in Jesus. They have an interest in people who follow Jesus But that interest never changes over to a a commitment. It never becomes a, I want to follow Jesus. I don't want to just observe it anymore. I don't want to just question it anymore. Some people question it to death, right? Well, I got a few more questions. Well, I got a few more questions. Questions are good. We're, We're all for questions. We provide places to get questions answered. We're all for questions. I just know that some people use questions as an excuse to never commit, I'm just not sure. I'm just not, I don't know. Listen, spiritual preseason is leading us to a time of commitment. Now, people being in spiritual preseason and not following through with a commitment is nothing new, it's nothing new. It's been happening for thousands of years. As a matter of fact, there's a couple of incidences in the Bible. I want to mention just just two or three of them to you. Um, We won't go through all of them in the Bible, but I I just want to show a couple of instances. Uh, Acts chapter 26, if you have your Bible and you want to follow along, we're going to land about verse 28 in just a little bit. Acts chapter 26, for... A couple of chapters now, going back to 23, 24. Uh, Paul gets arrested. And then for a couple of years, he kind of bounces around in prisons. He bounces around under different leaders who, who really don't want to deal with Paul. Like, that's not their thing. They're legal experts, they're, they're trying to carry out Roman rule. They're, they're not really interested in preachers and missionaries. And they're like, you guys handle that yourselves. But Paul keeps ending up in jail, and these Roman leaders have to do something about it. So he's, he's before this guy named Festus in, in chapter 25. He's a Roman ruler with a funny name. Festus is, is listening to Paul, and he's like, like I don't get it. Like, I don't think you broke any laws, but the, all the religious people are really mad at you. I don't know what to do with you. And so he talks to uh, his friend, a guy named King Agrippa, who's another Roman governor in another part of the world, and, and says, like, I don't know what to do with this. Like, he's talking about some dead guy, and uh, I, it doesn't matter to me, you know, but they all want him to be punished. What should I do? And, and Agrippa, in, in chapter 26, says, well, I'll tell you what, we're coming to visit. We're going to come hang out. I'd like to meet this guy. I want to hear from this guy so sure enough, chapter 26, Paul stands before Festus and Agrippa, and just like Paul can do, he just shares the gospel. He says, like, I was an awful person. I was was killing Christians, and Jesus appeared to me on the road to Damascus and changed my life. And now I just go everywhere telling people that Jesus is alive and he's the Savior of the world. And, And after sharing the gospel with Festus and Agrippa... Uh, 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 agrippa has to make a response he he has to say yes no i'm going to stay where i am or i'm going to move toward this savior this is what happens in in verse 25 paul this is paul speaking He says, what I am saying is true and reasonable. He shared the gospel. He shared how Christ changed his life. He says, King Agrippa, look, this is true and reasonable. The king, Agrippa, is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. It wasn't done in secret. Like, everybody knows what happened. King Agrippa Do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Paul not only presents the gospel, but Paul says, You got to make a decision, King Agrippa. You got to make a decision. And, and, And I know you know. You've heard this. You know of Jesus. You know this story. King Agrippa, I know that you believe this. Just say that you do. Just make this commitment. King Agrippa's in preseason, right? God's leading him right to the point of accepting the gospel, giving his life to Christ. But this is what Agrippa says, verse 28. Then Agrippa said to Paul, Do you think that in such a short time... You can persuade me to be a Christian? Like, do, you, do you think I'm going to say yes to this? Like Paul, had, Paul had shared the whole gospel, brought him right to the point of making a, a decision, and Agrippa pushes back. says, no, nope, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. You, you're not going to convince me in such a short time, and if you read the next verse, Paul says, Look, short time or long time, I don't care. I just want all of you to know Jesus. Everybody that can hear me, Paul said, I want all of you to know Jesus, whether it takes a short time or a long time. I want you to commit your life to Christ. And Agrippa says, Nope. I'm not going to do it. And and, and maybe. Maybe it was because he was afraid of what other people would think in the room. Right? He's sitting there with his Roman ruler friend, Festus. And and earlier in the story, Festus had already said, Paul, I think you're insane. Like, Festus has already put his cards on the table and said, I don't believe any of this. And then Agrippa's there. What's he going to do, right? Sometimes I I see people who are so close to faith, like they're so close to committing their life to Christ, but they're worried about what somebody's going to think. They're worried about what a friend's going to think. They're they're worried about what their spouse is going to think. They're worried about what the church is going to think. Sometimes as adults we think, well, I should have done this before now. Everybody else did this when they were a kid. That's what they think. That's not true, but that's what they think. Like Everybody else is already, if I go forward, like I'm 40, I'm 60, I'm 30. That's going to be weird. Listen, to the enemy of your soul will use whatever it takes to keep you from this commitment. Right? That's the pressure he's putting on King Agrippa. Oh, no, 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 you're going to look bad. What's everybody going to think of you? You're a Roman governor. You can't do that. And King Agrippa steps back. Mark chapter 10. Mark gives us this series of teachings. And um, Mark, one of the things I like about Mark, he's very compact in his storytelling. Like he just kind of gets to the point. And he arranges his material in, in the way that, that best flows with what he's trying to communicate not necessarily chronological order but in in mark chapter 10 we have jesus mark tells us jesus is is having a dialogue with the religious leaders and there's a big crowd a lot of people are listening and then the next scene right after that i, I think it's around uh, verse 13 Jesus has a conversation with just his disciples. He's having to correct them about something that they're wrong on. So, big crowd, lots of people, just the disciples. I got to take care of something with my guys. And then in verse 17, he has a conversation with one person, just one person. And the disciples are listening, people are listening, but he's having a conversation with. One person, we sometimes call this person the rich young ruler, if you've heard that story. This this is that story. He's a wealthy person. Uh, We find out in another gospel he's a ruler. So Mark 10, 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. A couple of things we know about this person, this, this rich ruler. We know that he was in the preseason, right? We know that he has questions about Jesus. His questions for Jesus. Likely, he's been in that crowd the whole time. He's been listening to Jesus. Very likely, this wasn't his first time hearing from Jesus. He he knew about Jesus. He had some questions for Jesus. Another thing we know about him is that he had at least some sort of moral upbringing. He knew the commandments. Said he'd kept them all. Perfect. I got all of those. I did all of those, right? So we know he had a moral upbringing, probably a religious upbringing, and he thinks highly of Jesus. He calls him good teacher. So this is someone who's heard about Jesus, who respects Jesus, respects religion, respects faith, respects the commandment. But when he said to Jesus, good teacher, notice how jesus tries to bring him along to a point of commitment jesus says well you know there's only one person that's good and that's god which i think was jesus leading statement to say so do you think i'm god because that's the next step in this process do you think i'm god Do do you think i'm the messiah there's only one person that's good it's god if you think i'm good then you must think i'm god and he didn't follow up on that question so Jesus gives him the commandments. Says, "Hear the commandments." He said, "I did them all. I did them all." Notice his his first question was, "What must I do to be saved?" He he was because of his wealth. Because he depended on himself, he was someone who liked getting things done. Right? I want to check that off. I want to make sure I did that. I want to get that done. Except salvation is not something you check off, right? Salvation's not, well, let me just do that for today. So salvation is a committing of my whole life to Christ. Salvation is saying yes to everything that is Christ. It's not just a moment of, like, how can I make this happen? It's a giving of my whole self over to Christ. So Jesus says in verse 21 Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Then come follow me. We don't, when, when people are in the preseason and they don't make that ultimate commitment, we don't always know what stops them from that. We don't always know what the holdup is. Like if there's somebody you've been praying for, or maybe you've been sharing your faith, you know that's one of the frustrating things, right? It's like, what is keeping you from just, Believing what is keeping you from just surrendering, we don't always know what that peace is. We know for this guy, we know that as a wealthy person, he was dependent upon himself, he ran his own life, he wanted to run his own life, he liked to be in control, and Jesus knew that about him. And so, Jesus said, You're gonna have to let go of all of that, right? And, and by the way. That wasn't what he needed to do to be saved, right? Salvation is by faith through the grace of God. Jesus just exposes, this is what's keeping you from turning things over to me. This is the thing that's holding you back. Wouldn't that be great if Jesus did that for some of us today? Just said, look, you keep holding back. This is the problem. Let it go. This is what you're worried about. Let it go. Trust Jesus with that. Here was his response in verse 22. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. He couldn't do it. He he knew all about Jesus. He, He thought he was a good teacher. He respected Jesus. But he couldn't trust Jesus with everything, apparently. He couldn't surrender everything over to Jesus. He came right up to the start of the season, right? All the preseason buildup, everything he knew, everything he'd learned about Jesus, and at the moment that he could commit his life to Christ, he walked away. He walked away, and it's not just him. It's not just him, but, Like it happens all the time. People come to church for a little while, and, God begins to stir their hearts. I have a conversation with them. They have conversation with other believers that they know. And, and then months later, they just are gone. Like they came right up to that moment and, and backed away. Contrasted with the, the way Jesus called his disciples. And how they responded. This is kind of a lengthy passage, but I just want to read the whole thing so you you get the feel of the way the story unfolded. This is from Luke chapter 5. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around here and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, "Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch." Simon answered, "Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets." When they had done so, And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. In the preseason of their life, Peter and James and John heard about Jesus. He was not a secret at this point. His, his fame, interest in him, had spread throughout that whole Region Jesus had begun teaching publicly. This was not the first time they had heard Jesus in all likelihood, and certainly not the first time they heard about Jesus. Their heart had been preparing. So Jesus shows up with a crowd of people at the edge of the lake, and to keep the people from pressing in on him, continuing to move towards him, Jesus asked if he can get in the boat, which interrupted their work. Right? Can I get in the boat, push out from the sure and i'll teach from there so people can't keep pressing in and peter probably rolled his eyes and said sure and launched back a little bit and jesus taught and they're listening this whole time they're listening and jesus said all right i want to go fish now and peter really rolled his eyes at this because fishing's what peter does right he's a professional fisherman he knows when you fish and you don't fish in the heat of the day, not to mention they had fished all night, they caught nothing, they're just not biting Jesus. This, this is a waste of all of our time, but if this is what you want, we'll go do it. And you heard how the story ends. So many fish, that the boats couldn't contain them all. Peter falls at Jesus' feet, and Jesus said, Look, I, I want you to leave this. Basically, the same thing he said to the rich young ruler. I want you to leave what you've known. I want you to stop trusting this, and I want you to trust me. And Peter, James, and John left everything and followed him. See, that's preseason to kick off right there. That's coming to know Jesus and realizing, I want to commit my life to him. I want to follow him everywhere. And God gives us those opportunities, doesn't he? God gives us those opportunities to declare, I'm a follower of Jesus. And I I think it's rare that it's just one opportunity, right? I'm not here to manipulate you, scare you. I think the Holy Spirit comes often to us and says, Hey, now's the time, now's the time. But the Bible says he doesn't come forever. He doesn't just keep coming back and back. And maybe somebody here, you've been in the preseason for a long while. You've been around faith. You've been around religion. You've been interested in Jesus. You respect Jesus. But you've never said, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. I'm going to identify with Jesus. It's going to be real. Not just something I think about or I have questions about or I feel certain feelings for. I'm committing my life to Jesus. The writer of Hebrews has a wonderful line. He actually lifts it out of Psalm 95. He uses it several times in the book of Hebrews. And it's just this line. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't turn away. Don't turn away. If, If... If God is pressing on your heart, if you know there there hasn't been that moment where you identified with Jesus, you said, I'm a follower of Jesus, do it today. Do it today. Remember when Jesus was talking to the rich young ruler? Mark's narrating this story, and part of Mark's narration right in the middle of the story is this line. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus looked at him and loved him. This was somebody who was about to walk away. This was somebody who was going to come right up to the point of giving his life to Jesus and then walk away. And what Jesus felt for that man in that moment was love for him. Which is how he looks at you. No matter what you've done. No matter what your past has been. Jesus looks at us today, looks at you today, and loves you and calls you to follow him. Today, if you hear that, if if you sense that, don't walk away. Commit your life to him. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? You may be that person today. You may be that person. Every Sunday, there, there are people in our church who who have not committed their life to Christ yet. We're so glad that they are here. We're so glad we're part of their preseason. Like, we get to tell them about Jesus. We, we get to tell them how wonderful following Jesus has been in our lives as a way to encourage them, come on, follow, to be a follower, to just make that commitment. There's, there's sometimes people who have been in church for years and years and years. And yet, what they know in their mind is they've never done this. Although they've come to church a lot. Saying yes to Jesus, committing to Jesus. That's never happened. Why not today? Why not today? Can I just nudge you towards Jesus today? Can I just say, don't, don't stay in the pre. Commit and follow. I just, I just asked this morning, and we don't do this very often, but I'm going to ask this morning, if there's anybody here, and that's you, and you want to commit your life to Christ, just slip up your hand and say, that's me. I've been in preseason. If you're watching online and that's you, just hand up, that's me. Because coming to faith is recognizing your sin and the overwhelming forgiveness of God and saying yes. Listen, if that's you, I, I want you to just pray something like this. God, I believe Jesus died for me and rose again I know that I'm a sinner and in Christ there is forgiveness I want to follow him I want to commit my life to him on that little QR code that you can scan right at the top There's a button that says, I've decided to follow Jesus. We'd love to know if that's you. Because we want to follow up. We want to cheer for you. We want to help you know some first steps. If you want to grab one of our staff members after the service and talk to them, we are available. One last word. You can look up here. I'm going to pray in just a minute. One last word. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you've committed your life to Christ... You have the potential to be somebody's preseason. You have the potential to help somebody towards faith, to pray for them, to, to invite them, to share your story with them. You're, you're invited to other people's preseasons, to point them to Jesus, to point them to a time when they might commit their life to Christ. Be a part of that. Be on the lookout for that. Because God wants to use you in the lives of other people. God, we thank you that you have so many different ways of preparing our hearts to come to faith. If if we just went down the row and asked every Christian to share about their preseason, it would be wonderfully unique, beautifully different how you cared for our souls as we were coming to faith. Thank you for that. I pray for anybody here, anybody who's watching online or will watch online. If they've stopped short of committing their life to Christ, let it be now. Let it be today. Where I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.